How many of y'all like to receive advice from other people? <laughs> how about um? How about how many of you like to give advice to other people? <laughs> much larger, much larger number, right? What about criticism? Who likes to receive criticism, positive or positive or negative? Oh, Wayne, come on, really? Come on, man, this is church, dude. <laughs> so yeah, Mark, a much, a much, uh, much uh, smaller number. What about just good, good old-fashioned wisdom? You guys got anybody in, in your life, or had anybody in your life that was just, just a wise old sage and, and had really good, really good wisdom to offer you? Um, can we tell the difference? You know, can we tell the difference between self-righteous advice and uh, and uh, Wisdom, or, or or are we receiving just criticism, those types of things? Can we tell a difference when we receive these things? Can we humble ourselves enough, you know, to really tell the difference? Is there a difference? You know, these are all kind of questions that we can ask ourselves regarding, you know, how we receive advice and how we receive criticism and and uh, and wisdom. But the thing is, that, you know, the Bible's chock full of advice. The Bible's chock full of advice. Honestly, it's chock full of criticism too, but it's also chock full of wisdom. If I had to describe the Bible, what is the Bible in any way? What's, 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 it's, you know, I would, I would say the Bible is a book of wisdom that puts us along the path of God from the Old Testament to the New Testament, Genesis to Revelation. Um, and we see that throughout the entirety of the Bible, revealing to us who Christ is, who Jesus is, revealing to us the character of God, and revealing to us how we can, how we can embrace that character and how we can live out that life as citizens of, king, of, uh, of God's kingdom here on earth. So towards the end of uh, the book of Philippians, the Apostle Paul gives a list of instructions to the church. And uh, within that list are really some great pieces of wisdom and some really great pieces of advice that Paul is passing on so that the church can, will continue to cultivate their hearts, to continue to cultivate those inner traits that we seek so much, these these things, these inward uh, traits, again, which are really the marks or the hallmarks of people who follow Jesus Christ. The same stuff that we talk about over and over and over again here at Bemis. It's all about cultivating the, the, uh, the, the heart. It's all about cultivating the, the, the inner presence of God within us so that our outward actions, our outward words will reflect the character of Jesus Christ. And he also points in these verses we're going to check out uh, to some pretty powerful insights on how we can find uh, lasting joy. anybody anybody want want some lasting joy in their lives? Maybe a little, maybe a little bit of peace in their lives. Well, Paul talks about that, and, and he talks about how we can go about that even through uh, even in the midst of our, our harshest and worst challenges. Let me read through you the scripture first, and then we're going to come. I'm going to come down. I'm going to kind of break break down these little chunks of wisdom a little more. Uh, but it's Philippians four, four through nine, and uh, Paul writes these words. <coughs> He says, be glad in the Lord always. Again, I say be glad. Let your gentleness show in your treatment of all people. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything. Rather, bring up all of your requests to God in your prayers and your petitions, along with giving thanks. And then the peace of God that exceeds all understanding will keep your hearts and your minds safe in Christ Jesus. And from now on, brothers and sisters, if, there, if anything is excellent, if anything is admirable, Focus your thoughts on these things. All that is true, all that is holy, all that is just, all that is pure, 
all that is lovely, and all that is worthy of praise. Practice these things. Whatever you learned, received, heard, or saw in us, the God of peace will be with you. The Word of God for the people of God. So uh, what I want to do is, is I, don't, I don't do this a whole lot, but, but this, is, this, is, this has got a really cool rhythm to it. Uh, so I'm just going to break down these verses one by one and go through them with you. Because again, these are, what this is, it's just a, a neat little list it's of, of chunks of good, sage wisdom and advice from, from a guy that we call the Apostle Paul, who I believe probably knew a thing or two about following Christ. So we might want to listen to him. Um, Paul tells us, go back to the, the first of it, because I'm just going to go down, down these one by one. Um, first and foremost, Paul tells us to be glad, not sometimes, not half the time, but what? Always. Some of your translations, or some of the, you may have a more familiarity uh, with, with a translation that says rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. This translation says be glad, but be glad in the Lord always. Again, I say be glad. So Paul starts off this little, uh, this little, this little again, I'll say the same thing, this little chunk of, of wisdom uh, by starting off on the idea of being glad in the presence of God. Emphasizing the importance of rejoicing always in the Lord. You might want to think about that as simply as worship or simply as adoration. Constantly rejoicing, constantly being glad simply because we're in the presence of God Almighty. You know, we should understand this. This is not some kind of weird call to be perpetually cheerful or perpetually chippy. Um, I know y'all probably know, who knows somebody like that. Nobody, nobody, nobody wants to be that person, right? So this is a, not a call, that call, okay? It's not, it's not a call to be perpetually cheerful all the time. None of us can accomplish that. Um, again, even though I'm sure some of us know some folks like that. It's a reminder. It's a reminder that our joy, our peace, our gladness don't come from outward circumstances in life, but they come from our relationship with God. And I know that may sound trite and that may sound simplistic, but it's solely the truth. We cannot allow our external circumstances, no matter what's going on, to zap, to zap us of our joy and our peace when Christ is right there walking alongside us the whole time, offering his presence, offering us only the peace that he can provide. It's the same God who loves us without question or without qualification. It's the same God who accepts us in our weaknesses, the same God who accepts us in all of our messiness, the same God who is always looking out for our best interests, being glad, rejoicing in the Lord always, is our reminder that God is the source of our strength. God is the source of our strength. We're gonna, we're gonna, you're going to see a little, bit, a little bit more how that applies as we move down. Check out verse 5. Let your gentleness show in your treatment of all people. The Lord is near. Now some of us probably don't like that word gentleness because we think that it projects a, a, a persona of weakness, right? But gentleness is a core characteristic of God himself. Y'all can check that out in the Old Testament uh, if you don't believe. He actually refers to himself as being gentle. Here's another piece of scripture out of the New Testament out from the words of Jesus. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Christ himself said that in Matthew chapter 11. Gentleness is not about weakness. Gentleness is about gentleness. It's about having a gentle disposition, gentleness in our thoughts, gentleness in our words, gentleness in our actions. 
it's one of those kingdom virtues. It's one of those kingdom values that we have that we have touched on so very often here. Those kingdom values that pushes back against the ways of the world. The ways of the world does not appreciate the uh, persona or the virtue of gentleness. If you don't believe me, check out your social media feed. As a matter of fact, it's quite the opposite. We generally like to applaud people when they use harsh language towards another person or towards another group. That is the way of the world. The opposite, the kingdom value is gentleness. Gentleness in our thoughts, our words, our actions in a world that oftentimes encourages harshness, meanness even, even cruelty. As Christians, as followers of Christ, gentleness should be a distinctive mark. We should stand out from the crowd in this regard. We should not be able to fit into the crowd in this regard. Verse 6, don't be anxious. And I know a lot of you guys have heard of this before, heard this verse before. Don't be anxious about anything. Rather, bring up all your requests to God and your prayers and your petitions along with giving thanks. Now, this is something we could talk about for hours and hours and hours um, for a very, very long time. So understand, we're, just, we're, we're barely skimming the surface of the surface of the surface with this one. But worry and anxiety, who, who has some worry and anxiety in their life? Most of us. Who's ever had a, a worry and anxiety in their life? All of us, right. Worry and anxiety can be absolutely crippling, y'all. Worry and anxiety, fear of the unknown, fear of the future, fear of not knowing what's going to happen, fear of you know, circumstances and situations. All of this stuff can be absolutely overwhelming, and most of us probably have been there at some point. Uh, and and uh, it, it, it can be absolutely crippling to us. Um, worry, anxiety, as everybody in here knows, can literally lead to physical sickness. That's how powerful it is. But Scripture tells us to what? To lean on God cast our cares on the Lord. And I realize, again, that that sounds so very simplistic. I'm not, I'm not going to stand here and tell you and, and, and lie to you and tell you that every time you cast your cares on the Lord that you're immediately going to be relieved of anxiety. What I am telling you is that He is there to soak that stuff up for you. He is there to be that presence for you, that, 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 that presence that cares, that presence that listens. in the face of very frightening worries and concerns and uncertainties that we all have, God is there. Here's my question. Are we actually praying during these times? Or does that just sound like too simple of an answer? When we're going through all these fears, when we're experiencing all these worries, these anxieties, these unknowns, are we actually going to God as the first resort, not as the last resort, as the first resort? Or are we trying to answer all of these things ourselves? Are we trying to fix all of these problems of our own will and of our own accord? Are we trying to face down all of these unknowns of life through our own wisdom and through our own strength? Because I'm going to tell you guys, I don't know about y'all, but my own wisdom and my own strength can be pretty doggone frail they can oftentimes lead me astray. The lesson here is that God walks alongside us. God walks alongside us, not trying to take on the weight of the world by ourselves, because again, we have a God who is as close to us as our own breath, church. 
a God who cares about every minute aspect of our lives and who wants to lead us, who wants to comfort us, who wants to point us in the right direction. Don't try to do life on your own when you have a God like that. Why in the world would we try to do life on our own knowing that we have a God like that? Verse 7 kind of follows up. Not kind of, it does follow up. This is neat too. Verse 7 moves into uh, what we read in verse 6. What's that first word in verse 7? Okay, that's a, that's a cause, right? Okay, something happened, then something else happened, right? We've got a cause and effect going on here. Don't, don't, just, don't uh, always look at your conjunctions when you're reading your Bible, by the way. There's a reason that word and or then and, and other conjunctions are in your Bible because you don't start a sentence with the word then unless something happened beforehand, right? Well, something happened beforehand. Verse 6, I'll read to you. Again, don't be anxious about anything. Rather, bring up all your requests to God and your prayers and your petitions along with giving thanks. And this will happen. Then this will happen. The peace of God that exceeds all understanding will keep your hearts and your minds safe in Christ Jesus. Did that make sense to you all? Don't dismiss it as superstitious nonsense unless we're actually trying to put it into practice. When I'm facing this stuff, am I actually going to God first? Not last, first. Am I actually taking my concerns, my needs, my fears, my worries, my anxieties to God first? Because Scripture says <laughs> when we do that, then peace of God that exceeds all understanding will keep our hearts and our minds safe in Christ Jesus. I thought that was pretty, I thought that was pretty cool. I thought that was pretty neat. When we surrender our worries to God, His peace, peace of Scripture there talks about envelops us. It envelops our hearts, it envelops our minds. Isn't that something that we want? Inner peace, even, even in the face of adversity, Y'all know people like that? Can you think of somebody like that in your life that you know? That, that person who just, no matter what they're going through, they're just calm. I'm not going to say water off a duck's back like they don't care, but through it all, they're just calm, and they're a peaceful presence. Lastly, verses 8 and 9. <clears throat> the first verse, or first verse there, verse 8. All right, from now on, brothers and sisters, if anything is excellent, if anything is admirable, focus your thoughts on these things. All that is true, all that is holy, all that is just, all that is pure, all that is lovely, and all that is worthy of praise. So in verses 8 and 9, uh, that was verse 8, but in these two little verses, Paul gives us basically a roadmap for our thought life a roadmap for our thought life by focusing on these virtues, this little list of virtues that I just read out to you. In verse 8, we align our minds and we align our heart with the mind and the heart of Jesus Christ. Are we focusing on these aspects of life? All that is holy, all that is just, all that is lovely, all that is pure, all that is praiseworthy. Then in verse 9, which is also another connecting verse kind of here, he says, practice these things. Practice these things. Whatever you learn, whatever you receive, whatever you saw in us, the God of peace 
will be with you. Paul encourages us not just to hear and to understand with some kind of head knowledge or intellectual knowledge, but to actually put into practice these teachings that he's throwing down for us, the same teachings of Jesus Christ. We can read this stuff all day long, but if we're not putting it into practice, it's not going to have any effect on us whatsoever. Again, we just went through the book of James a couple of, year, a couple of weeks ago in, uh, in our Bible study class. James said the exact same thing. I can't quote the scripture directly, but he says, you know, you know we, we can talk about this stuff all day long, but if we're not actually doing it, it's, it's all for nothing. Practice these things. Put these things into practice. Don't just sit and talk about it. Actually do these things. Or am I intentionally, am I intentionally focusing on these virtues as I move throughout my day? That's what it looks like to practice those things. In a world that is absolutely marked with uncertainty, these few Verses out of the book of Philippians really gives us a, a Christ, again a Christ-centered roadmap uh, to this idea of lasting joy, to this idea of lasting peace. Let me sum up this whole thing for you. I'll give you a few verses. Benita, can you throw up that next slide? Let me sum up verses four through nine. Y'all can take a picture of this if you want to, because this is this is this is what the whole sermon was all about. <clears throat> Summing up, Philippians four verses four through nine. Number one, be glad, rejoice in the Lord always. Always recognize that we are in the presence of God Almighty. This is something I've been doing lately, and uh, I'm not going to say it's easy. It's not, it's not an easy practice, but it is a very, very beneficial practice. And that's just, that's, just, that's it's just exactly what I just said. It's intentionally focusing on the fact that I am in the presence of God as I move throughout my day. Maybe I just pray a one-word prayer to God, but when I do that, my attention and my mind and my heart is redirected from whatever it is that I'm doing at that time, whether it's nonsense or whatever. My heart and my mind are redirected. Maybe it's just for 30 seconds or so, but at one, some, for a little piece of time there, I am redirected to the fact that I am in the presence of God, and I rejoice, and I, and I am glad to be in that presence. Intentionally do that throughout the day. I'm not talking about dropping down to your knees and pray, praying a 15-minute prayer several times a day. I'm talking about just... Just stopping as you're walking along, as you're on the computer. You can do this when you're, when you're working. Just intentionally move your mind to the fact that we're in the presence of God. And give God a simple, just say thank you. Just say thank you. Be glad. Rejoice in the Lord always. Second, exhibit gentleness in our relationships and interactions. Pretty, pretty self-explanatory, folks. I'll <laughs> do the opposite of what you see going on in the world today. Do the exact opposite. Whatever, whenever you see harshness and meanness and cruelty and all that, Go the, go, the, go the opposite way. Exercise some grace and exercise some mercy in your understanding, in your relationships, and in your interactions with people. Replace anxiety with prayer and thanksgiving. We'll combine these two. Replace your anxiety and your fear with praise and thanksgiving. And then meditate on these things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. You know, God doesn't, doesn't promise us a perfect life. You'll, you'll never hear me say that. He doesn't promise us a life without anxieties, a life without fears, a life without hardships, a life without loss, a life without struggles. Absolutely not. What he does say, though, is that I will be with you every step of the way. If you will allow me. If you will allow me. So as we follow these, these few little principles here, peace of God will guard our hearts and it will guard our minds 
And that same God, that same God of peace and joy will be with us every step of the journey, I assure you.